Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Matthew 5 and verse number 1. And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. Remember, his disciples were those that were following after him. He had his 12. There were others that were there with him. Uh, others that were following after, but a, a disciple in its exact definition means a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And so here his disciples are around him, and he opened up his mouth, verse number two, and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, that's where we stopped last week. Now, let me ask you a question. Every week we've come in here to the Beatitudes. Have you not found something that like, oh, I need to grow in this area? I have, and it'll be the same today. Let's read verse number six together. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they. He says, blessed are when you're hungry, when you're thirsting. We'll discover a little bit more about that. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, not in walk, though that, that's a reality, but the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are what? persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are they which blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake and let's again read together rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you you may be seated thank you for standing father guide us in your word today again. May we desire it. May we hunger after it. Lord, there's so many dainties and so many things that taste good in this world for a moment, for a brief amount of time. Lord, what you're telling us, what you're promising to us is if we'll seek after your righteousness that we'll be filled with something that lasts. Lord, we invite you into this, this time. We, invite, we don't want to do church. We don't want to just check this off. Lord, we, we invite you to work in our hearts today. We've gathered here not just out of a religious, a religious ritual. Lord, we want you to work. We're inviting you to do so. So would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Lord, would you fill each one of us to hear and to receive your word, and then to do it. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you remember zebra gum? 
I have some packs of that in my office. I thought it'd be a great thing to give away to kids on their birthdays. And you know that stuff lasts for about two chews. You, you, remember, you remember that stuff? It always came with the, the wrapper you could take off. You could lick the wrapper. This was cool stuff. Some of you, you need to go on Amazon, not during the service. You need to go on Amazon and get yourself a pack of zebra, a zebra gum. Am I calling it right? It's a striped gum? Yes, all different colors. And it came with a package. You could lick it and then put, put an animal, like a, a, a temporary, uh, yeah, a temporary marking uh, on, on yourself, and boy, that was, that was a thing, I mean, uh, along with uh, blackjack gum, how many of you remember that? that? That lasted a little bit longer, but some of that gum that, boy, I, I, I could think back, it was licorice gum, that was really awesome stuff, but you think back to that stuff, and, and it just did not last very long, right, at all, I mean, it, it, the, flavor, the flavor just exited the gum in about, like I said, about two chews, um, you know, it's amazing when we think about the things that we hunger after. What are you hungry for this morning? We're a little ahead of lunchtime, but what, what are we hungry for this morning? I, on the count of three, I want, you to turn, I want you to turn to your neighbor, someone sitting next to you, and what are you hungry for today? Like, I'm talking about food. What are you hungry for? And so one, two, and three, shout it to your neighbor. Anyone hungry for steak? How about Cold Stone? You know what's amazing about our hungers is they, they, they get satisfied, and I have kids, and so it seems that about 30 minutes after or 15 minutes after being at the table, they come out and they shout, I am hungry. I'm hungry, like they never even ate. Do you know what I'm talking about? All right, our, our hungers are, are satisfied. We sit up from the table, and then we go, and we're like, I'm hungry again. And uh, I, I realize that's part of, uh, part of our, uh, just the affluence that we enjoy here in this country. Uh, we have food in abundance and around. I was reading this week that uh, America uh, is, uh, is the highest in all the world for wasting food. It's amazing how... how how much we throw away. We're hungry for a moment. We get up, we leave. We oftentimes leave things behind. It's amazing how, how temporary our hunger and our satisfaction of that hum, hunger is. Uh, it comes to an end. It's amazing how quickly we go through that. And so as you think about the, the hunger, the temporary hunger that we have, Jesus is inviting his disciples on this Sermon on the Mount. This is a much larger message. It's about 2,000, 2,500 words. But this is the introduction, and he's saying, I want these attitudes to be developed in your life. I want you to have this attitude of meekness. I want you to have this attitude of mourning over your sin. I want you to have this attitude of humility. I want you to have this attitude of hungering and thirsting, not after food that is so temporary, needed, right? We need food to exist, but I want you to have this hunger and thirst after righteousness. Not so that you can pat yourself on the back. And we don't need that. But after God's righteousness, which is settled, which is revealed in Scripture. I want you to have a hunger for this 
to know it in yourself. I want you to have a hunger like Paul that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. I want you to have a hunger like David that early in the morning I'm going to seek you first thing. I'm going to seek you to know you in my heart. The reality is that Jesus is a master teacher and as he is going, uh, starting introducing this message, he uses something that is very, very common to all of us, hunger and thirst. In fact, we might say that these this illustration, this, this, this statement uses uh, desires that we all experience that are very, very instinctive. Very instinctive. You and I have hunger and thirst just because it's natural to us. You, you hunger about this time or about in a half hour or, 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 or an hour from now. You hunger because it's just, it's instinctive. I, I got up and I hunger. I hunger for breakfast. We hunger to break the fast from the night. It's instinctive to us. It's instinctive to every single person. Uh, you can't go to a person and, and find a person that does not have this instinctive hunger, or if they don't, they're probably not going to be around very long, right? right? It's instinctive to us. It's something that is normal. Now, some people might have greater hunger than others. Some people might have greater thirst than others, but Jesus uses an illustration that is instinctive to every single person. Every person's on the page. I, yeah, I know what hunger is. I, I know what thirst is. But Jesus didn't say hunger and thirst after food or after a certain drink. He said, I want you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I want you to, uh, I want you to develop an attitude of being famished for God's righteousness. I want you to be, uh, develop a, a, a character trait where you crave not your own righteousness, not someone else's righteousness, but God's righteousness. I want you to desire after that. And I want it to be something that is desired on a regular basis, that it's just a reality that grows every single day. You and I so often can go in spurts. You know, we get on kicks, right? I'm on, I'm on this, I'm on this, this uh, kick for a little bit, and we, we enjoy this certain type of food for a little bit and we eat it and eat it and eat it and then we get tired of it or whatever. Jesus is not talking about being on a, on a kick. He's not talking just being on a little bit of a spurt. He says, I want every single day of your life, every single moment of your life, in my life, to be hungering and thirsting after righteousness. There would be a constant desire to move forward, a constant desire to pull up to the dinner table of God, the, the dinner table of his his word, and to feed on him. A constant desire. Where are you in that this morning? Is this a desire that you have? We can all say, I have hunger and I have thirst, physically. But do we have hunger and thirst spiritually for the things of God? Jesus is turning to something that is very elemental uh, to our human instincts, and he uses it for spiritual use. There's always in all men a hunger for food. There's a hunger for love from others. And as one man said, there's always in all men a hunger for God. Somewhere in there, there's a hunger for God. How is that hunger this morning in your life? The amazing thing is we can, we can fill it with many other things, but this is an instinctive hunger to every person. Remember when I met my wife, uh, it wasn't long before I started recognizing something that she would say when she was hungry. She would say, my stomach is eating itself. Now, I don't know that that was actually true, but it's, it's, it's a way that she would say, I'm very hungry. My stomach is eating itself. Anyone say, uh, say that? That's just unique to her. Uh, how many of you have heard of people being hangry? 
You know what that is? How many of you get hangry? All right, you get angry, a little bit disturbed in your emotions when you don't have food, all right? So we all understand this matter that Jesus is saying. For every person, it's very instinctive that we understand hunger and thirst. Very instinctive. It's, it's a part of who we are. Young or old, rich or poor, can identify with what Jesus is saying. Hunger and thirst. It was Job that said, uh, neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He says, I hunger, but I hunger after his word. I, I desire his word. So it's, it's something that Jesus is saying. I, I want you to think about this very physical reality for every single person, this hunger and thirst, but I want you to point it in the right direction. I want you to spiritually point it in the right direction. Notice, he says in verse number six, look at it with me, blessed are they which used to, which will, no, which do, which do, hunger and thirst. Right now, hunger and thirst. You know, you can say, well, pastor, years ago, when I first came to Jesus Christ, I really hungered for the word. Pastor, when my schedule gets less busy, I'll hunger for the word a little bit better. No, he says, blessed are they which do. Right now. Uh, it is so important that we realize that this, this hunger and thirst needs to be ever-present. Your hunger and thirst physically is ever-present, isn't it? In fact, uh, how many times, help me out here, how many times do you think a person uh, thinks about food or makes food-related decisions during the day? Twice, okay. So let's, let's do multiple choice here, right? Three times. How many are with three times? Three times a day. All right, Miss Jeannie. All right. Okay, how many 20 times a day? That's about what you think. Okay, what about the 200? Anyone going up there? All right, you're all noncommittal, all right? <laughs> all right, on the count of three, just say what you think it is. How many times does the average person think about or make a food-related decision during a day? All right, one, two, and three. Okay, you know what you said. Okay, Cornell University uh, did a study, and I don't know how they went about this study, but they, they found that most of the people that were surveyed uh, guessed that it was about 14.4 times uh, uh, per day that people made food-related decisions. When on actuality, it was actually 226 times per day that people make a food-related decision or they think about food during the day. A lot of times. The reality is you and I, many times throughout the day, have food on our mind. I want a smarty or I want good and plenties, or I want a steak, or I want peanut butter and jelly tortilla wrap. <laughs> if you came with me to uh, Grenada, you realize that uh, ever since India, for some reason, peanut butter and strawberry jelly tortilla wraps, those, those are my, my go-to snack. But we think about food often. It's a human reality. He says, blessed are they which do. Take that same physical hunger and thirst that you have on a daily basis and apply it into the spiritual. Jesus says, blessed are they which do hunger, not used to, not will, but do hunger and thirst after, after righteousness. And it's them that they will be filled. No hunger and no thirst, 
either indicates desperation, we're in desperate times, or it means distraction. Distraction. No hunger either means that there's no food and there's a desperate time or distraction. Friends, for us, many times it means distraction. Back in 2014, November 20, Fox News put out a story about a young man in Taiwan who died after 40 hours of playing video games. Distracted. He died of starvation. He died. Distracted. You know, there's many believers who are distracted. They're distracted by everything that rattles around in the world. Everything that, that is the trinkets of life, the distractions that Satan throws out in front of us, not even realizing that we are perishing on the inside, we are shriveling up spiritually on the inside because we're not seeking to be filled by God. Psalm 42 and verse number 2, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come before Him? David said. The reality is that there could be folks here this morning that we don't even realize how spiritually hungry we are. We don't even realize how distracted we've been. We are lashing out. We're getting angry. We're tense. We're full of anxiety. We're full of physical struggles that are rooted back to our desperate need for some spiritual food. Our desperate need to be seeking after God and His righteousness. Yes, your spirit, your spiritual condition will eventually begin to affect your physical condition. We live in a day where people can't sleep. They can't get beyond worries. They're full of depression. And certainly there's some physical elements to that. Some imbalances perhaps. But you step back and you realize there's a hunger for God that has not been being quenched. It's not being satisfied in the right places and it starts to come out physically. It's a reality. The Bible says here that blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. One author said we are blessed just because of our hunger and our thirst continues. We're blessed in its continuance. If they should cease, Jesus could no longer pronounce us blessed because he could no longer satisfy us. And so Jesus is saying to you and I as, as his followers, I want you to continue to hunger. Let it, there be a constant pursuit after me. Are you presently hungering? Are you right now? You can, it's not good enough to say, I used to, but are you right now? I used to last year. I did better than I did right now. Are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for his righteousness? Our hunger and thirst is instinctive. It's instinctive to have this desire, but what we satisfy, with, uh, satisfy that hunger, that instinctive hunger with, is not instinctive. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a chosen desire. It's a chosen satisfaction. In fact, here it says, they which undo hunger and thirst after righteousness. We can hunger and thirst after many things, can't we? 
We can hunger and thirst after the next big thing, the next big thrill, uh, entertaining weekend, or uh, just being kind of chill, just being at a place, I just wish life would slow down so I could relax and chill. Right? We can hunger after many, many different things. I can hunger after a, a job promotion. I can hunger after more money in the bank. I can hunger after a relationship. But he says, no, I want you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is an intentional thing. This is something I have to, to stop and realize. I, these things do not satisfy. Listen, remember back to Moses. He chose, he chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a, a season. A season. Now think about that. You and I know that nothing this world offers us really, truly satisfies it's like cotton candy. Right? Put it in the mouth and it melts away. And you just have to keep doing more. How good is that for you? Right? Rots your teeth, colors your tongue, marks you. But cotton candy doesn't last. It has no substance. How have you ever made, how many of you have ever made cotton candy? Like, in, in, it's sticky, it's, it's a nasty process, and kids love it, and they get all sticky, and it makes messes in cars, and, and, and it's, it's, it's quite a thing. That's what, the, that's what the, the world gives to us, something that is sweet in a moment, and it's gone. He says, I want you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I want you to make a choice. I want you to make a choice to thirst after God's righteousness, and this righteousness is the act of doing what God requires, what God desires, what his word is revealed to us, doing what is right. And he is the standard. Your fellow Christians are not the standard. A church is not the standard. I am not the standard. The revealed word of God gives us the standard of God himself. He alone is the standard of righteousness. He is alone is the one that we're to seek after. The Bible says, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Do you desire to look at God and say, you are so holy and I want to, I want to strive for that. I want to seek after that. I hunger, I thirst after that. When I please you, that is my satisfaction. It is important for us, as we look at the, the, the reality of righteousness, it's important for us to realize when the Bible speaks of righteousness, there's really two kinds of righteousness that we should understand. One, first of all, is this imputed righteousness or positional righteousness. It is when God at salvation, when you come to Jesus Christ and you believe on Jesus Christ, as the only way that you can be saved and forgiven from all of your sin. What he did at the cross for you, he died in your place for your sins. Yes, your sins that make you and I deserving of an eternity in a place called hell. When we come to him and recognize that he died in our place for our sins and we accept his free gift of eternal life, we accept that as our own. Yes, you made the payment. I accept your payment. I accept the forgiveness of your sins that you're offering to me by your death and your resurrection. I accept that. The Bible says that we are made righteous. In fact, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. Now think about that. God made Jesus to be sin for us. He took Jesus and put him on the cross and he made him, he turned him to sin 
in our place. He laid all your sin, all my sin, all the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future, all sin was laid on him. The Bible says for the space of three hours it was dark. Well, God's wrath was poured out against his son. Do you remember what Jesus said at the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was going through the torment of of God's wrath being poured out upon him for your sin and mine. The reality is that he was made sin for us, as his verse says. He took on your sin. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He took your sin, and in turn, he gives you, by faith, his righteousness. Now, how righteous is God? Perfectly righteous. Perfectly righteous. Not partially righteous, perfectly righteous. You never have to wonder if God's going to do the right thing. He will always do right. Did not God say in Genesis 18 and verse 25, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the answer is always, always. He is perfectly righteous. And so God says at salvation, I took your sin and I put it on Jesus Christ. This was made effective. And I took his righteousness and I put it in your account. That is positional righteousness. That is imputed righteousness. That is righteousness in your account. Not your righteousness, but God's righteousness in your account. Listen, if you're saved today, if you've placed faith in Jesus Christ today, you are as righteous as Jesus Christ positionally before God. You excited about that? That is the only way you're going to heaven. Not by your own righteousness. The Bible says, Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by his mercy he saved us. So it's not by your righteousness. Think about the gift, the eternal, wonderful gift that God has given to you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross. He's given, he's made a transaction, your sin on him, his righteousness in you, that is imputed righteousness, and we glory in that. We, we praise the Lord for that. Every day we wake up, we should thank God for that. As a believer in him, we should thank God. We are not going to hell because of the righteousness of God in my account. Praise the Lord. Now, I hope you'll get more excited about that. We have much to praise God for. What Jesus is talking about in this, in this passage of Scripture is the reality of practical righteousness or the righteousness I pursue after. I want to take what is a reality for me, my positional righteousness, the, what God has declared me as, this, this, this legal turn, he's declared me justified, made righteous before God. He's declared that to be my situation. There is now Therefore, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There's no more penalty. Why? Because he's declared me righteous. I've been set free. Now he wants me to walk that out in my life. And this is what we might call practical righteousness or imparted righteousness. Righteousness we're pursuing after. And we're, we're seeking to live this righteousness out in our lives. God says, hunger and thirst after my righteousness to be the reality in your life. Hunger and thirst after it. Hunger and thirst after knowing me so much that you want to apply it in your life. So this righteousness that's in your account needs to be lived out. It needs to be lived out. I was reading some statistics this week from Barna. They do many studies of Christianity. And uh, something that really sobered me this week, personally, and uh, 
I think it's important for us just to realize the culture that is around us. We live in a culture that is wondering where to find answers. We live in a culture that does hunger for God. Every single one of us was, was created with a, with a God-shaped hole in our heart that can only be filled by God. A, a hunger for God that can only be filled with God. And until we find that out, we'll try to put relationships in there, we'll try to put alcohol in there, we'll try to put drugs, we'll try to put uh, uh, fame or promotion, we'll try to put anything in there until we find that God is the only thing that, um, that satisfies that hunger. So around us, we can get in the mindset that the, the world is just doesn't even have that hunger. No, everyone has that instinctive hunger. What they put in it is a choice. And the same is true for you and I. But what I find very, very interesting is oftentimes we can say, you know, listen, the, the people aren't seeking after God and they doubt God because of, well, because they can't understand the Bible. They can't, they can't read it. Or uh, they had an unanswered prayer. Or, or they see all the compromise in churches around. They see churches going woke and, and um, buying onto social, social, uh, social things that, that are against God. And, and so these must be the reasons that, that people doubt God. But what I found very, very interesting in the study recently done this, this year by Barna was that it was not all those, those peripheral things, all those things out in the culture that was causing people to doubt that God was the answer and causing pe- um, people to doubt that, that, the, that there is a real solution in God. It was, notice this, it was the hypocrisy of the religious people that went all the way to the top of the list that caused people to doubt whether there was an answer in God. It wasn't all that they're seeing out in the culture. It wasn't all the problems they're seeing out there. It was the hypocrisy of religious people. Now, I'm going to qualify that. That lumps a lot of people. Uh, by the way, the, the, the average is the first column, 27%, the average of all generations. Then you have the generations broken down. That lumps in a lot of religious people. There's a, lot of, there's a lot more than just people sitting in churches on Sunday that call themselves religious. So I understand that. What I take away from that is, God, help me to sincerely hunger after you and to sincerely be seeking you in my life so that I personally can show those in my sphere of influence in my life that have a hunger, that I wouldn't push them away from God, but that I would draw them to God. You with me with that? And I give that to us as a little bit of a, maybe a realization that we live in a, we live in a culture that, that does still have that, in, that, that instinctive hunger for God. And we need to be intentional in what we're hungering after so that we might show them and invite them and inspire them to seek after the God that is satisfying our hunger. What do you do when you find a good restaurant? Go back. back. What else do you do? Tell others. What happens when you find that God has satisfied the, the deepest desires of your heart? What do you do? Keep going back to the word. What else do you do? Tell others. It's inspiring. It's inviting. See, we all have an instinctive desire, hunger and thirst. Jesus knows that. But what we fill that with, we choose. It's intentional. It's, it's very intentional. And 
Listen, this affects our relationships this week in our homes. This affects our relationships in our workplaces. Everywhere we go, it affects our relationship. What we do with this hunger, what we are feeding on will come out. It will influence our, our relationships. And so this practical righteousness, Jesus says, I want you to pursue after it. Ephesians 4 and verse number 24, and that ye put on the new man. That ye put on the new man. That's a choice. That's a daily reality that we must come to grips with, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So put off the old man, he tells us, but put on the new man. Put off the old way of thinking, the old way of living, and put on the new man. Put off worry and put on trust. Put off lust and put on love. I want you to do this. Put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. Listen, the world needs to see that from us. Your family needs to see that. The hunger is to know the righteousness of God. I want to know it as it is revealed in the word, and I want to be able to show his righteousness, not my own, because oftentimes that leads to pats on the back. I want to show his righteousness to everyone around me. It's a passionate hunger that is being talked about here. A hunger that, that cannot be, cannot be uh, satiated. I just continue to pursue after because the righteousness of God is infinite, so I have an infinite journey until glory to pursue after. These people, one man said, have a passion for righteousness in their own lives. They long to see honesty, integrity, justice in society. They look for practical holiness in the church. They're seeking after it. This is what I want. Now remember, this passage of Scripture is being taught in contrast to everything they'd experienced in the religion that the Pharisees preached. What were the Pharisees all about? Look how righteous I am. We go back to that story we keep on touching on. The Pharisee praying and the publican praying. I tithe of everything. I, I honor God. I'm, I'm not wicked like this man. And he wouldn't. What an arrogant arrogant person you know that is what turns off a world around us this man down there he had, we can all identify with him be merciful unto me a sinner O lord be merciful wouldn't look up to heaven now we can have confidence in our relationship with god and 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 we should when we come to him and realize that he forgives, we, we can have confidence, we can run up to him boldly, put our arms around him, he welcomes us in, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. But the reality is the Pharisee, he's not going down to his house justified, declared righteous, no, no, no. But that man is. He realizes his need for God's righteousness. And so in this context, Jesus is, is saying, as followers of me, as members of my kingdom, I want you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I don't want you to be conceited in your own righteousness because you don't have any apart from mine. I want you not to be self-satisfied in your own righteousness. I want you to be satisfied with my righteousness. And so Jesus later on in the Sermon on the Mount, he says in Matthew 6.33, if you know it, say it with me. But seek ye first, all right, help me out, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. All these things that the world seeks after, all these temporal satisfactions that the world seeks after, food and raiment and clothing and housing, all these things they worry about. If you'll seek 
me, my kingdom, my righteousness, all these things will be taken care of in your life. How many times do we get focused on the, the down low, on the, on the physical level in our, in our spiritual lives, and in our Christian lives, where we're only seeking after the same things the world's seeking after? I just need a paycheck. I, I just need to have food on the table. I just need a house. And he says, no, no, no. I want you to seek after my righteousness. I'll take care of the rest. That's his command. It's amazing how distracted we get and we live spiritually famished lives because we didn't seek after what he told us to. Blessed, happy. He, he says that this word blessed is the idea of his divine favors upon those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. One author said of American Christianity, far too many of God's children are spiritually malnourished. Not because they don't eat, but because they eat the wrong things. Donuts taste good. Could we say Bill's donuts taste good? Who's with that? Bill's donuts taste good. Dunkin' Donuts taste good. Does he even have a, does he even have a, a rating in here? Anyone? I see this. <laughs> Donuts taste good. But they have no nutritional value. You can't have a donut-level spiritual diet and then wonder why you don't experience God's blessings. And yet that is American Christianity. Just a little dab. Just grab the verse of the day. One-minute devotionals. I'll take devotionals that other people wrote about the Bible rather than getting into the Bible. The fact is, we cannot expect to experience God's blessings, the blessings that he's saying here, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, if we're filling up on other things. If we're filling up on things that God said will not satisfy you. Jesus said in Luke 6 and verse number 25, in the same context of the Sermon on the Mount, woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. He's saying, listen, if you're full of everything out there that the world has to offer, you're going to hunger. And there's not a blessing pronounced. There's a woe pronounced. There's a curse. There's a, there's a negative pronounced. You and I must seek to hunger only after that which God said, hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled should be impassioned not just intentional but impassioned do hunger and thirst bible says of newborn babes that they hunger they thirst after their mother's milk it says in first peter 2 2 and likens our hunger uh, and, and encourages our hunger to be in the same way as theirs as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word just like a newborn babe cries after and seeks after the milk of its mother uh, it, it, we are to cry after and seek after that which god says righteousness psalm 119 and verse 20 my soul breaketh my soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times my soul breaketh 
Let's get honest here. Can we identify with the with a psalmist in that? Can you think back to a time or are you there? My soul breaks. There's such a hunger in my heart for God's judgments, for his word. It's like my soul is on the edge of breaking. If we're honest, we aren't, we aren't there very often. And perhaps the experience of some has never been there. Jesus is pronouncing a blessing for you and I. If we will hunger and thirst after righteousness, we will be filled. And it should be an impassioned hunger. It should become a preoccupation of our mind. I need God. I need His righteousness. Bradford said they, they have a thirst no earthly stream can satisfy. A hunger that must feed on Christ or die. I need Him. And the re- reality is the reason we're not there is not because Christ has stopped being satisfying. The reason we're not there is we have satisfied ourselves with many other temporary satisfactions. And one of the reasons I believe that around the world that God is moving in and we're seeing moves of God in other, other lands, in Asia and, and India and in Grenada, is because they don't have as many temporary satisfactions as we as Americans do. And we satisfy ourselves constantly. We, we constantly have noise on. Things are constantly preoccupying our minds. We're constantly distracted. We come into church distracted, not prepared to receive anything from the preaching, and we go home having not received anything from the preaching. Not because God stopped being satisfying. Not because His righteousness stopped doing its job. But because we've been distracted. We need to seek the Lord about this. Passionate hungering and thirsting is going to result in prayer. God, I need you. I need you. Not just in public prayers. It's easy to say some of those things in public prayers. It's easy to say the right thing. But it's a longing of our heart. I need you. I need you or I'm done. Psalmist, great place to find Prayers that we can pray along with and know they're biblical. Psalm 51 and verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. David, after he had sinned, he he realized he he couldn't create righteousness on his own. God, I need you to restore the right spirit within me. I need you to give me back what I lost. Psalm 139 and verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Again, the psalmist is crying out, God, I I need you. I I need you to search my heart. I need you to identify what is displeasing to you. Please give me what I need. Please lead me in the way that's everlasting. Please lead me in the way that is satisfying. We struggle with doubtful thinking. Can God give victory? Can God work? Does God care about me? Does God care about my family? We struggle with doubtful thinking. 
Do you realize when we seek and hunger and thirst after righteousness, after God's righteousness, he has the answer to our doubtful thinking, our unbelief? He has the answer. Friends, all I'm trying to say this morning is this ought to become a preoccupation. When you're hungry, it becomes a preoccupation. I'm hangry, right? It becomes a preoccupation. It's all you can think about. Jesus is saying, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's them that I will fill. It's them that I will satisfy. It's them that I will give, give this, this satisfaction that the world cannot give and the world cannot take away. I want us to notice this is an instinctive desire, hunger and thirst. It's a chosen desire or chosen satisfaction that is his righteousness. That's what we're to seek after. Whatever you're seeking after, you ought to put it aside and seek his righteousness. That's what you ought to choose. As a result of practicing or in, in, in application of this message today, whatever else is not his righteousness, whatever pursuit is not his righteousness, you ought to put aside and seek after his righteousness. That's what he says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But notice the promise here. Notice the reality. For they shall be filled. Let's say that together. For they shall be filled. One more time. For they shall be filled. Let's say it this way. For I shall be filled. For I shall be filled. That's the reality, friend. Let's personalize it. This isn't for the neighbor just sitting next to you. For I shall be filled. God will bless you with the satisfaction. And this is a satisfaction by God himself. He does not say, you might be filled. You might be filled. No, no, no. You shall be filled. Oh, wait a minute. When? Someday in heaven when you stand before him, right? That's, that's when you're going to be filled. No, he says, you shall be filled. When you hunger and thirst, you will find the filling as you hunger and thirst. You will find the satisfaction as you hunger and as you thirst. This will be something that God brings into your life. You don't actively go out and grab the satisfaction. That's what we do. We go to the, we're thirsty, and we're passing by UDF, and we go in there, and they have all those different drinks, or Speedway, if that's your thing, all right? You go in there, and they have all these different drinks. You go actively purchase it and say, this will satisfy my thirst. He says, no, you do the hungering and thirsting, I'll do the filling. I'll give you what no man can give. I'll give you what you can't purchase for yourself, what you can't make up for yourself. I will give you the satisfaction. It's a satisfaction by God. To be filled by God, to be satisfied by God, is the no true blessing. Jesus said, after he had spent time with the woman at the well, and his disciples came back, and you remember how they asked him about, well, where did, where did he get his food? Where did he get satisfied? Like, did someone bring him bread? Did some man bring him a, you know, an Uber meal? <laughs> right? Someone bring something in? DoorDash? Um, you know what Jesus said? My meat, my satisfaction, is to do the will of him that sent me. What is that? That is desiring God's righteousness, his kingdom first. That's desiring his things first. You know what he says? I found satisfaction in doing the will of the Father, and you will too. He says, blessed are they which do hunger 
and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they which thirst and hunger after doing right, doing what pleases God, for they shall be filled. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Listen, when we are satisfied with his blessings, that's true satisfaction. True satisfaction. David said the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want or lack any good thing. They'll have it. He promises that. But not just a little bit. He says filled. I love studying words, and I encourage you to study into the word and get a good Bible dictionary, get a concordance, Strong's concordance, study in. But he says they shall be filled. The word filled is the idea to be satisfied, to be satiated. We understand that. I think, I think we can grab a hold of those thoughts. But I love how this word was applied, especially in that time. This word was applied to, to fattening up cattle. Now, we don't want to put any weight on, right? But spiritually, to be fattened up, to, to be satisfied, we uh, forget when it was. I'm guessing it was probably 15. We, um, in the year 2000, we had moved from inside city limits to outside city limits in the country. And uh, the house that we got had a 900-foot driveway off the, off the road, a long driveway. And it was pretty narrow, so you wanted to be real careful in, during snowy times. I one time took my GMC Safari minivan and went off one wheel. And, and uh, if I not corrected that, man, I would have flipped that thing. It was one of those type of driveways that kind of came up like that. All along the driveway was pasture, fenced-in pasture. And so this one year, we got two, and this, this is not a picture of them, but they look like it, um, two black Angus cattle that we were going to uh, slaughter once they were fattened up. And it was my job to feed these things. And uh, every, every day, I, I did a lot of bike riding. That's, that was my mode of, of transportation back then. My dad made it so that we did not get our license until we graduated high school. So that was his uh, way of making sure that we, um, that we focused on our high school. So I, I rode my bikes everywhere in town. And it wasn't like Dayton. It was small towns, so getting across town was like six miles, that type of thing. But I rode my bike everywhere. And I come home on my my bike and go down that 900 foot driveway and these things and i forget what we had named them but these things would start charging towards the barn because they knew what was in the barn food and then fatten them up especially loved it they they got feisty as they they grew up a little bit they would my mom would walk just just to get a walk in around the property and those things would come and they would charge up to the fence and then put on their brakes they would just stop they would mess with her and uh, scared the living daylights out of her because those things got um, quite large. But we'd fatten them up. I remember the day that, we, uh, that they met their maker and uh, they became steak. <laughs> um, but it was a process. It was a process of fattening them up, filling them up every single day. Every single day. They were pretty enthusiastic about getting to the barn. You didn't have to coax them. You didn't have to bribe them into the barn. You didn't even, I mean, there were no gimmicks. It was just, there's food in the barn, come and get it. I mean, some Christians, you have to coax into the barn. You have to do some gimmicks and programs, coax them into the barn. 
because they've been out eating other things. Not these creatures. They ran enthusiastically with all their weight, all of it kind of, you know, just bouncing all the way, all the way to the barn as they got fattened up. That is the word picture that is used to fill. God isn't fattening you up for a kill. He's fattening you up for his glory, for his witness in this world. For his glory. Now, how many times do we stay out in the pasture, we run the fence line, we have a take-it-or-leave-it attitude, and we aren't really hungry? Jesus said the blessing is being hungry. And when you're hungry, you and I will do something about it. God says, don't, don't go out to the world. It will not satisfy you. In fact, I remember some times when we'd have to walk the fields and find any Canadian thistle because that would hurt them. You can stay out in the pasture, run the fence line, dig under the fence, do all sorts of things out there. Food's in the barn. Food's in God's word. He says, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. The reality is, you and I, we don't have a a, a shortage of food problem. We have a a choice problem where we choose the wrong things. God says, hunger and thirst after, after my righteousness, you will be filled. Hunger and thirst after my standard, after who I am as righteous, holy God that will never do you wrong, that always has the answer for you, that always has a solution if you'll just seek me. Hunger and thirst after me. You can hear a thousand words from a thousand different people that that speak motivationally on spiritual topics. He says, no, hunger and thirst after me. Get to the barn. Enthusiastically. I want us to turn to a passage of Scripture. Psalm 63. Psalm 63. How do you apply this today, tomorrow? David's out in the wilderness of Judah. Out in the pasture. Out away from the temple. Out away from the people of God. Psalm 63. Let's read this verse together. You there? Psalm 63. Let's read it together. Ready? Begin. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Notice, to see thy power and thy glory so as I've seen thee in thy sanctuary because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee, thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches because thou hast been my help. Therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul shall follow 
hard after thee. Thy right hand uh, upholdeth me. But those that, um, that seek my soul to destroy, they shall go down into lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a, por a portion for the foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. All of David's pursuit is, I want God. And he realized that those that seek after other things and seek after destroying him, they'll not have God, but I want God. And he was going to seek him when? It says early. Early. First thing. First thing. How are you seeking God? Is it the priority of your life? Is it the priority of your week? Do you set your week schedule around seeking God? Some believers set their schedule and then figure out, can I do church? Can I do devotions? Can I get some time with God? And they leave it to the last things. They put all the other rocks in their life first. Friends, that's not seeking after God and his righteousness. I put him first, his commands, his choices, his thoughts, his revelation, all of that, I put him in first and then let the rest of life filter in around it. Your life will be enormously different and your life will be blessed if you'll do that. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I invite you to be filled. Let's ask the Lord for that this morning and prepare our hearts to seek the Lord in that way. Would you bow with me? Let's stand all across the auditorium. We're going to find a place to pray. Perhaps the satisfaction that you need this morning is to receive Jesus Christ by faith. You need to receive him as your personal savior. You need to come to him and admit that you are a sinner that does deserve the penalty of hell. But today you heard that you can have his righteousness put on your account. Maybe you need to come and say, I need that. Friend, that's where true satisfaction starts. Believer, do you hunger? What have you been filling up on? Perhaps today it's, Lord, forgive me for filling up on all that the world has to offer. I've been out in the pasture. I've not run to the barn in a long time. But that'll be different. We all instinctively hunger. But what we choose is a choice. The choice. I'm going to pray and then give us an opportunity just to find a place to pray. Seek the Lord. Father, forgive us for being satisfied or trying to be satisfied with all the things that are around us in this life. We ask that you would help us to have true hunger and thirst after your righteousness. Help your people to seek you early and first. To run enthusiastically to the barn to get the food. Oh, we pray this in Jesus' name. In the quiet of this moment, no panel needed, let's find a place to pray. Find a place to kneel and pray this morning. There at your seat and come to the altar this morning. Let's find a place to pray. Bow before the Lord. I encourage you to do that. He will meet you there, by the way. He'll meet you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.